Good morning, Tejas. Welcome to your premier alternative news solution. I am Jake Ramirez, and I will be bringing you daily news Monday through Friday. I'm hoping to curate news for Texans by a born and raised Texan. Today is Tuesday, December 3rd, and I hope Monday wasn't too much of a Monday for you. Before we begin, please go ahead and give us a subscribe so I can keep you up to date on daily news. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for updates, and even more news. I'm going to change it up a bit today, and I'm going to start with some good old Texas history. On this day, 1907, citizens of Peck, located about 30 miles north of Houston, renamed their community Tomball in honor of Thomas Henry Ball, a well-known politician and prohibition advocate. Ball had been a United States congressman and strong supporter of the development of the Houston Ship Channel. The town of Tomball later rose to prominence in 1933 when drillers struck oil. The population of the new boom town, nicknamed Oil Town USA, triples as 25% of to 30 oil and gas companies kind of rushed in and set up camps, housing developments, and recreational facilities. In 1935, Humble Oil and Refinery Company, later to become Exxon Company USA, granted free water and natural gas to the Tomball residents in exchange for drilling rights. Now, the arrangement gained attention of Ripley's Believe It or Not, which heralded Tomball as the only city to have free gas and water and no cemetery. The initial agreement was for 90 years, so don't go rushing to Tomball for free gas and water because they no longer have that agreement. If they did, I'd probably live there because I'd take eight showers a day. Mexican security forces killed seven more members of the presumed cartel force that rolled into town near the Texas border and staged an hour-long attack, bringing the death toll to 21. The Coahuila state government said in a statement that lawmen aided by helicopters were still chasing remnants of the force that arrived in a convoy of pickup trucks and attacked the city hall of Villa Union on Saturday. Now, Gov- Governor Miguel Angel Requelmi, forgive me, I know I butchered that, said at least 15 people had died that afternoon. Four of them were police officers. He said that several muni- municipal workers were still missing, and it's unclear if they've been located. Um, the reason for the military-style st- attack still kind of remains unclear. Cartels have been con- contending for control of the, the smuggling routes in the northern Mexico area, but there's no immediate evidence that the, the rival cartel had targeted Villa Union. There's no real evidence to show that that's what they were targeting or if they were targeting another rival cartel gang. Now, the new statement did not give a a death toll, but they did say seven more attackers were killed in addition to the at least seven more reportedly died that day. Now, three other bodies have been identified. The governor said that the armed force stormed the town of 3,000 residents in a convoy of trucks attacking the local government offices and prompting the state and federal forces to intervene. Bullet-riddled trucks left the abandoned streets were marked CDN, Spanish initials for the Cartel of the Northeast Gang. So obviously, it's gang-related. Still, it's a big deal. Now, several of the government stole vehicles that they fled on and kidnapped locals to help them guide through all the dirt tracks out of town. At least one of those stolen vehicles was a hearse headed for a funeral. That's right, it was a hearse headed for a funeral, and they stole it. Now, that town is about 35 miles south-southwest of Eagle Pass, Texas, and about 12 miles from a town called El Edende, uh, which was the site of that 2011 massacre involved with the Zeta cartel. This whole area is riddled with cartel violence, obviously. Now, rapid gunfire could be heard in videos posted on social media. I don't know if you've seen any of those videos. If you're into that stuff... Just Google it. You'll find them. Um, 
The governor said the security forces would remain in the town for several days to restore a sense of calm. <laughs> I don't think it's been calm there for a long time, so that statement really kind of was like, what? That's not going to make them calm. They're, they're, they're in up in arms right now. Now, Mexico's murder rate has increased to historical levels. I mean, it's inched by a 2% up in the last 10, last 10 months um, with the new president. Federal officials said recently that there's been over 29,414 homicides so far in 2019. Okay. I know that some of you are like, I know I talk fast, but let me repeat it for you. Federal officials have recently said that there's been 29,414 homicides in 2019. The November slaughterhouse, or the November slaughter by the Mexican drug cartel, it's, 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 this is one of those things where I hope that somebody starts to really, like the government should be intervening in, in a lot of these situations. Now, we all know about this border wall, especially if you live in Texas, it's talked about all the time. Don't you think that a little bit of this money or a lot of this money would be saved if we didn't build a wall? If we didn't spend billions of dollars on a wall and spent some money and sent some military to Mexico to remove these cartels. The reason these immigrants are coming from Mexico to the United States is because it's this dangerous. 29,000 people died last this year. It's not even over yet. So they're fleeing violence. Why don't we help them stop that violence? And it'll probably stop the immigration. These are times when I really wish Mexico had oil instead of drugs. Because if they had oil, we'd, be, we'd have been there a long time ago. But they don't. So this is a situation that Mexico's in. It's affecting the Texas borderline. There's a lot of beautiful Texas border towns that don't have cartel violence. But there's a stretch of them like these towns that are always seeing that violence. I hate reporting on this stuff, but it's something that's happening in Texas, and it's something that we should be looking at, and we should be trying to do something to help. Uh, today, Texas Back in Business announced the launch of an application for newly federally funded Texas Back in Business program awarding 50000 up to 250000 in disaster relief for the qualified Texan small business damaged by Hurricane Harvey. Texas small business owners can now apply for the program at no cost online at texasbackinbusiness.com. The program was introduced via a flyer, and I'm going to read some of what that flyer says for you. It says, today we are proud to kick off the Texas Back in Business program, which will be helping small businesses recover from the cataclysmic blow dealt by Hurricane Harvey. Uh, that was said by the CEO of Texas Back in Business, Dan Slane. We are excited to launch this new program helping to stabilize small businesses, protect jobs for the local workers, and grow the economics of those areas hardest hit by Hurricane Harvey. Now, Texas Back in Business funds may create or retain much-needed jobs. It can be used for operation capital, repairs, inventory, machinery, equipment, supplies, and other expenses directly related to the business. Some of you may be thinking... Hurricane Harvey was two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago, but it hit us that hard. I mean, we're still recovering. Most of us in the southeast area, we were worried about another hurricane hitting us this year because we're still rebuilding. The, the office building that I work in is literally still drying the carpets and the walls. And I don't make that up. Still doing it. 
So, yeah, we're still affected by it. If you're in a small, if you own a small business and you were affected by Hurricane Harvey, you should really go ahead and go to www.texasbackinbusiness.com and apply. Hopefully, it can help you out. Teacher of the Year, Randy Chaveria, 36, was booked into Williamson County Jail on November 19th for allegedly having an improper relationship with a student. The 2019 Teacher of the Year was performing sex acts on her student in the classroom. She's the Teacher of the Year. In the words of the almighty Texan Owen Wilson, Wow. According to an affidavit, Javeria allegedly performed oral sex on the male student in her classroom two times on or around October 16th. Obviously, she's no longer a teacher. She resigned. She's currently out on bail for an improper relationship with a, between educator and student. I'm a little shook by this. Seems like this happens a lot these days with these teachers, female teachers. It's getting a little bit out of hand or mouth, whatever floats your boat. But let's not ruin a kid's life, and let's just fo focus on teaching, you freak. Now for some more freaks in the news. Former New York City mayor and Democratic presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg has been all over the airwaves in Texas since his campaign ads started running last week. Bloomberg has an unconventional strategy. He's skipping the early caucus and primaries to focus on the Super Tuesday states. Dallas County Democratic Party chairman Carol Donovan said she thought it would likely be a two-man race between Bloomberg and former Vice President Joe Biden in the Low Star State. I think the state is turning more Democratic, but it's currently labeled as either red or purple, and therefore Biden or, and Bloomberg are both considered to be moderate if compared to the entire list of presidential candidates. Donovan said that. I don't know if y'all have seen this really weird video of Biden talking about kids at the pool wanting to play with his hairy legs. If you haven't, you should look it up. Um, <laughs> it kind of depicts how scary both of these weirdos are. Um, as you can tell, I'm really not a politically driven. Uh, and this is basically why these people freak me out as much as carnival people. Now, Bethel O'Rourke is back in the news a month after ending his presidential campaign. Democrat Bethel O'Rourke, geez, I hate saying those two names together, has turned his attention to state pol politics, namely in an effort to help flip the Texas House of Representatives from Republican control to the Democrats' control. Good luck with that, buddy. Now, Texas Democrats are nine seats away from retaking the majority of the House. O'Rourke is trying to convince his donor base to send money to an organization called Flip That House, which kind of sounds like a TLC show, but it targets the 17 House districts in which Republicans' candidates won by fewer than 10%. Uh, more than half of those districts, which won majority of the votes, has ran for Senate. So O'Rourke is a former congressman from El Paso and a Whataburger skateboarder said it, it, if Democrats retake the majority in the Texas House, it would mean an end to racism, gerrymandering, and a chance to address gun violence, reproductive rights, Medicaid expansion, criminal justice, and climate change in Texas. Now, I'm going to take a step back and ask, what did you just call me? Gerrymandering? Isn't that what all of these elections and politics are about? I mean, I like Beto. Despite this, his made-up first name and his stance on gun control and his weak skateboarding skills, he understands that the weather in Texas is already hot before climate change, and it's really starting to kick our butts now, and I'm tired of sweating, hence the reason I take eight showers a day. Good luck, Bethel.
Now it's time for some Huckum, Chuckum football news. Texas Longhorns have relieved offensive coordinator Tim Beck of his duties. Major changes are happening these days for the Texas Longhorns, and they do need to happen. I know right now they're kind of looking at Mac Brown, who's bowl eligible this year in his first year as a coach for the Tar Heels. Uh, it kind of hurts. You know, we all miss Mac Brown. Let's face it. It's going to be a weird few months for Texas college football. Now let's take a look at the NFL playoff picture because the playoffs are right around the corner. I think we have five games left. This is the most exciting time of the year for me, hopefully for some of you too. Uh, first, we have the AFC East, which is led by the New England Patriots, which is it's a solid pick. The Patriots have been pretty good. Um, if you've watched the Houston game, you can see that Father Time's kind of caught up with Tom Brady. They don't really have a solid receiving core either. And the Buffalo Bills are right on their heels. They'll probably get a wild card. Um, well, did I just say the Buffalo Bills are right on their heels? Man, I can't remember the last time the Bills were good. It's like probably when they lost four Super Bowls in a row. Now to the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens, they look good. Lamar looks so good. The Ravens are going to be hard to beat. And they got the North sewed up. So look for the Ravens in the playoffs for sure. Now, the AFC South, we have the Texas standing, Texans standing strong. But the ghost of the Oilers won't give up. The Titans are right behind them. And the Titans didn't look good at the beginning of the year. They look pretty good now. So the Texans really need to make sure that they win the next few games to ensure their playoff spot. And the Titans may end up with a wild card spot. Now, for my favorite conference is the AFC West. If, if you know me personally, you know I'm a diehard Raiders fan. Diehard. And I think it's mostly because I like pain Lots and lots of pain. And the Chiefs are in the lead, of course. Mahomes back on top. He's going to be really hard to knock off the lead. I mean, the Chiefs look good. The defense has struggled up to this point. And they said that they were going to have to get used to this new scheme, and they got used to it against the Raiders. They demolished the Raiders. So look forward to uh, seeing what the AFC West does in the playoffs. Now, for some NFC action, we have the NFC East. Um, the Cowboys are somehow in the lead in the East with a six and six record, which makes me laugh, but you know, they got to really make sure they win the next few games they really need to win all five of these games to make sure that they're in the playoffs because the Eagles are still there. Jason Garrett needs to stop calling those plays. Now the NFC North is strong. The Packers lead the North right now. Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing some of his best football I would be really worried um, because the Vikings, the Vikings are playing good. They played a great game against the Seahawks. The Vikings are no joke, so the Packers got to step it up too. Um, so let's get to the NFC South. No dirty birds this year. Mostly just Saints. Drew Brees is playing great this year. They 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 can't take it easy though. Just kidding, they can because nobody else in that division is winning games. So the Saints are pretty locked up right now. I think they already clinched the division too. Now for the NFC West, we have some real headaches. <laughs> the 49ers lead. Now the Seahawks are right there with them. Both teams will make the playoffs. They're both going to make the playoffs. We got to see who's going to be in that wild card spot. I think that a lot of these Super Bowls, it ends up with whoever's in the wild card spot makes it the Super Bowl a lot of times. But it's going to be a tough. The NFC's got some really tough teams the AFC's got some real tough teams it's gonna be a really 
great wild card weekend, which is January 4th and 5th. And then we're going to have to see how the rest of the playoffs work out. Um, but I'm going to be talking a lot about football until this is all over. So I hope you don't get too bored of it. That's right. It's time for the tradition. It ends today's podcast. Here's today's weather. Houston, it's going to be a nice sunny day. 72 is going to be the high. It's going to be a low of 49. San Antonio, it isn't much different. It's a high of 73 and a low of 47. Now, Dallas is going to remain under the 70s with a high of 68 and a low of 41. Lucky. Austin was going to be a bright and sunny day with a high of 74 and a low of 47. Now, El Paso is going to stay the coldest with a high of 64 and a low of 41. Uh, Brownsville, poor Brownsville, is warming up so fast over there. It's going to be a high of 78 and a low of 59. Victoria, it's warming up a bit too. We got a high of 76 and a low of 45. Now, if I've missed a region of Texas that you live in, please send us a message. I'll add it to my weather report. Um, I don't mind rattling off a long list, so feel free to send me a, a location, and I'll add it. Um, I think that's it for the day. Uh, some days are going to be shorter than most uh, because there's not a lot of news happening in Texas, but there's going to be some days when there's a lot of news happening in Texas. If you'd like me to start covering certain topics in the news, please, like again, just send me a message. I'll respond to you, and I'll start getting more news for you that you want. Um, until tomorrow, have a great day, Texas. Thank you.